Have you ever looked up at the stars and wondered if your world and everything in it is merely the result of four pasty weirdos who may not even be wearing pants, sitting at their computers talking to each other? What if the moment these dorks grow bored of imagining your world, they can just ball it up and throw it away? Well, welcome to Disposable Worlds. Episode 3 of Disposable Worlds, the podcast about world building, where we take your ideas, blend them up into a big, steaming, meaty mass, and put them in the microwave, I guess. I don't know. See what happens. So we're sticking with the food metaphors, then. I don't know. What was it last week? Was it food? It was a blender. Yeah. Yeah. We're still blending it. Are we still using a blender? Is it a meat blender now? Uh, Yeah, it's like a food processor. it's a fancy blender. It's like a, a... you didn't say processor, you said blender. It's an idea uh, processor. He said you blend it, but... A, uh. It's like a computer processor, but for ideas and food. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, we, we essentially meat blend your ideas. <laughs> that's that's really kind of what a brain is, I guess, is a meat blender. Cook, cook up a big ideas. old haunch of meat ideas. So, uh, I am Ryan. Uh, with me is uh, Cody and Steven and Jacob. Um, Wait, so now we can't even introduce ourselves? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm we doing. We don't even get to say <laughs> our own this? names. He's All right, how about this? Us. Are you going to are you gonna speak for us as well? Should yes. we just be quiet? These are my I ideas. Hate. Um, I just wanted to talk at you guys as like sort of an audience I mean, I'm sort fine of situation. This is, this is a new interesting podcast idea. So we're, we're like, you're you're podcasting and we're active listeners. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. um, we're, the, we're the real audience here. Well then, scrap all that. I'm Ryan, and I am the uh, moderator slash host of this uh, discussion, apparently. And joining me are my three fellow moderator hosts, uh, who are Cody. God damn it! I don't know. Like, you guys aren't jumping in there at all. You got. I am Cody, and I'm apparently in in the in the like the front row of the audience. Number one Ryan, audience, Ryan audience member number one, Cody. <laughs> Third episode of Disposable yeah. Worlds, first episode of the, the Ryan Show. Ryan presents the Disposable Worlds. A Ryan production. In association. to applause right now. Thank you. Alright. I'm saying stop. Hi. I'm Steven. You may have heard me cheering because I'm in the audience and I'm really excited. I'm also apparently the third meat moderator. Moderating your meat and making sure it's the right temperature before you begin to eat it. I didn't say I was a meat moderator. You're, you're meat moderator number two. I don't want any part of that. Hey, you're in this whether you like it or not, Cody. We got to moderate this meat. We got to make sure it's well cooked. This is non-consensual meat moderation. I am Jacob. I did not make it into the audience. I am smoking cigarettes outside the building where this is being shot. Also, you're probably confusing the audience. You were schooler last time. I know. Well, I was introduced as Jacob by the by the uh, the main the main. Oh right, by our by so our host, like, oh, right? Me moderator yeah. number one. Now they one. know my full name. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go by Levi now. <laughs> that that suits you. That's a pretty good name. <laughs> hey, you know. Hey.
The topic of today's discussion is meaning in world building. So what I mean by that is um, in, in a lot of the best uh, world building examples, maybe your Tolkien's or your Herbert's or so on, Ryan, Ryan, you're, you're losing the audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking as a member of the audience, you're losing us. So what is, what is the ultimate meaning behind the worlds that we build? Why, not only why do we do it from a personal standpoint, but what is the point? What is the greater truth that we're trying to strike at behind it? I'm concerned. This is, this is dangerous. You might just, <laughs> you might just now justify the ending our show. Mm. I'm I'm curious as to what the meaning of our world is. Well, it turns out there's no meaning, so <laughs> show canceled. And that might be. But when we think about, um, like, let's take J.R. Tolkien, for, for example, J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, oh, he yeah. attempted to, he, he set out to attempt to create a, a mythology, um, something that explained how the world was created, why it was the way that it was, why his world is the way that it is. So you have these these stories um, that the characters harken back to, um, stories about why the world is round, um, where what the stars are, um, those sort of things, um, where you go when you pass on from this world and, and, and why you struggle in this world. So what I was hoping to do is get your guys's um, uh, thoughts about about the meaning behind world building, the mythology behind world building, and what these stories say about ourselves and and the human condition, and what's what's beyond that. What what attracts us to those stories? What what stories sort of help illuminate our own world and and, and help us see different perspectives um, um, about our world through the lens of of, of fantasy. Man, this is going to be a girthy episode. Well, I don't know. Ooh, I feel like I feel like this actually does kind of touch a lot into immersion as well. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't really feel as much like it's covering meaning. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about developing a rich mythology and history for a world, but I mean, to Stephen's point, like when we think about meaning, I th- we think about even just the meaning of our world. Like, and I, and I feel like if we can't even conquer that, you know, if we can't even come up with, with a solution for that. Maybe that's why we build worlds, so that we can escape having to try to figure out what this one's all about. I think that's true to a certain extent. Um, I would not ever dare say that any fantasy writer, Tolkien, anybody has a, a concrete handle on on the meaning of existence, and then that they're able to like, oh, I've I figured this out, so why don't I explore it in some sort of weird allegory about elves and dwarves and stuff like that? <laughs> um, I think that it's. I think oftentimes it is that sort of a struggle to, to try and figure out a greater meaning. Stephen Hawking's reads the Lord of the Rings is like, I get it. <laughs> it all makes <laughs> Everything sense. Everything adds up. <laughs> it was all there right before me this whole time. <laughs> Brown dwarves. But maybe that's why stars are, are named dwarves? Yeah, dwarves? well. Yep, white dwarves, brown dwarves. And of course, there's the, the quasar treant. Um. <laughs> Very important in astrology, but it's true, Ryan. I mean, they, they like authors probably. I mean, I'm assuming don't have a grasp of the meaning of like at least objectively the meaning of our world. But when you write your own world, you can have a meaning. You mm-hmm. can create your meaning. You yeah. can give people a purpose. Mm-hmm. It it's ultimately trying to analyze or or take some piece of this world, um, and and our history, which is inevitably like 
you, you can't ever remove that from your experiences when you begin to create something. So there's, there's always the influence of uh, the creator um, and then their life in whatever it is they've created. But usually they're trying to analyze something specific or send some sort of uh, message. Or sometimes it's just a world that's going on in someone's head. Uh, Tolkien in particular is noted uh, essentially for saying that the story was just coming out of him. Um, he believed essentially that everything he wrote was that true story. So there was, was there was like very little, it. yeah, very little editing from what I understand. I mean, obviously for consistency's sake, there was probably editing, but as far as like naming characters, he believed fundamentally that the names he assigned, uh, I know there was, I can't remember the example right now, but there's like an elf who ended up having the same name as another elf. Uh, and he essentially said that that was a, a very rare instance of elf reincarnation, that that's actually the same person in different timelines. Um, and you could, you could say that that's just him being ridiculous and he's just making shit up to make his, his, you know, world consistent. But he, he fundamentally believed that or so we're led to believe. So, so what you're saying is he was cheating when he wrote those books. <laughs> he tapped into an alternate dimension and just exactly. stole all of their history and wrote he that was, down. He was seeing a, a vision of something completely different. Well, it's much the way that you, Cody, you've channeled the worlds of the Dungeons & Dragons uh, podcast That's true. that you run. Yeah. yeah, there are a select few of us who are chosen by the powers that be to, to channel these beautiful worlds, mm -hmm. these extra special stories. Please listen to our show. It's probably some sort of like dimensional rift that is coming through inside of our brains. And we just, well, you know, we see the other side of it sometimes. Well, that's kind of how Philip K. Dick wrote a, a shit ton of his stories. Like the the Valis, I think. Um, that one in particular, he was like uh, almost saying, hey guys, this is beamed into my head from this space satellite. Now let me tell you a story about that space satellite. <laughs> So do you do you like everyone in here is a creative type? Do do you have techniques for helping uh, worlds discover themselves for you? Um, like hop into a nice sensory deprivation chamber, or... <laughs> massive amounts of LSD. We kind of made uh, <laughs> made some funnies about uh, keep using food terminology, but to be perfectly perfectly honest, that's kind of how. Uh, a lot of my uh, uh, stories start building. Like you start with, okay, I have these ingredients, and you eat it all. What can I make from it? Yeah, I just um, eat myself. You eat it all, and you go into a, a food delirium, <laughs> a shamanic food and then coma. I vomit, I vomit all over paper. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you see, you write down. Yeah, whatever whatever uh. vomit happens on the paper turns into a world. It's gotten a lot stickier now that you know I use a laptop. Um, it's harder to get that out of the keys, but um it's it, yeah it's it's kind of how i how i generate stuff i'm like okay well i want you know i want this to be a sci-fi element so that's the vehicle i want you know this uh political thing that's the seasoning that that spices everything up you know what so J.R. tolkien was was sort of channeling this other world and that's how he wrote his books i can only imagine like the poor sap who like he he also is he too is channeling a world but it's like boring and lame like earth like, <laughs> like somebody out there is just channeling like some some like uh mid-level executives like life 
Yeah, like when t- when Tolkien sits down to write something, he just feels the energy of this this other world. Yeah, wizards flowing hobbits. through himself onto the page, and someone else, like when they sit down to write, they're trying to write something cool, and all it is is Gerald and accounting, <laughs> fucking up the spreadsheets again, can't get them out of my head. Trying trying to count the pennies. Well, I used to have like really vivid dreams um, when, like in my early twenties, uh, back when I was kind of like a layabout, not really accomplishing very back much. Back when you did a lot of yeah. drugs. Well, yeah. But I would sleep quite a bit. Like, I'd sleep in because um, I didn't have a job that, like, required me to be out of bed before, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know? You were a prostitute. <laughs> Those were the days. You'd be surprised. But, um, yeah, like, so I'd have, like, the most intense dreams are when, like, you should have been up, like, hours ago. Um, but you're still in bed and the sun's up and you're just kind of laying there and, like, in this weird, like, sort of of state. And I would have like super crazy dreams about just just like post apocalyptic scenarios or like sort of fantasy scenarios that kind of carried on for like a long time, like um, like a dreaming sort of session or whatever would just be like this long like exhaustive story that like went from point A to point B to point C or whatever, um, or just weird imagery that would kind of crop up from that. And a lot of like the earlier sort of a lot of what I work on nowadays is still kind of based on some of the the some of that sort of bedrock of just these really, mm-hmm. really deep dreams that seemed like they were full of a lot of meaning. And then when yeah. you try and pull them into the reality of, of, of writing them down, a lot of times that meaning is really confused and you don't, you're not really sure where that, like you just have the feelings attached to them. And so a lot of times you're trying to like, like trying to, to dig deep and find that, that, that meaning that can like, a, a new sort of meaning that you can ascribe to it or a story that like conveys that sense of gravity, um, regardless of whether, you know, that, that really is reflected in the original dream that you, that I had. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my most recent, uh, short story that I've written came out of an idea that I woke up with in the middle of the night of a, of a bubble boy who fights dragons. <laughs> and that was a very real thing. And I made a story out of it. And I wait, actually, hold on. What kind of bubble boy? Like the one, the one that is that, allergic to a lot of stuff. And is yeah. Who, who like lives in a hospital bed and is very sick. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes and fights a dragon. And is, it was he, a, this, is he safe from the like does the bubble help him in any way is a, it was a pretty he fucking he fucking kicked that dragon's ass Jesus, while still say. inside the bubble yeah he left the bubble it's, that, oh I was about to say that's a pretty yeah. structurally sound yeah. it was, like, that would be a pretty impressive there. bubble see yeah. like that's the sort of stuff that I'm kind of like talking about like when you when you just lay that out on the surface you could say oh yeah I wrote this story about a bubble boy who fought a dragon or whatever it's like <laughs> Or I had a dream about a bubble boy fighting a dragon. It's like it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but like there's so much like there's so much to unpack there that yeah. like those those sort of like metaphors that that you can tie to those things. Like there's a huge amount of stuff. The most frustrating thing in the world is like when you're when you're tapping into another dimension <laughs> for stories and someone else <laughs> is tapping into the same dimension. Oh, they saw it. They saw it at the same time. And you look across the room and you see their eyes. <laughs> you're like and Jacob. you wink at each other. You're like, I know, I know, I see you here. Ever heard of a little thing called parkour? <laughs> I'm not, I, I invented that. I didn't get to it quick enough. Wait, that was, you, that was my idea. you invented you it, it or you channeled right it from there. another dimension? That it I, I channeled been. it from another dimension, from the television dimension. And then it popped into ours naturally. Was it like the day before that uh, James Bond movie where they do a bunch of parkour right at the beginning? I'm pretty sure I thought of it first. I just didn't act on it. I was very young. 
Uh, uh, but okay. Horizon Zero Dawn, that new game, I straight up had that exact idea, only better. But I just didn't have like millions of dollars in a game studio behind me. So. <laughs> and the, the, one of the best graphics engines ever made. Yeah. No, I had that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Without the other things. <laughs> right, right. It was called my imagination. Yeah, exactly. Well, it looked at least better than... Have you seen that game? Have you seen that the main character's face? I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, I've been meaning to play that game. I haven't picked it up yet, though. Well, don't bother. Wait until my release. Mine was, mine was like, like I, I, mine was based off a philosophical question, like yeah. uh, Descartes' thing about finding a watch in the in the wild. You know, uh, well, well, there's like, uh, this is one of the ways that Descartes tried to prove the existence of God. Like, if you're walking in a forest and you find a watch on the ground, you don't. Like, even if you've never seen a watch, you don't assume that this is just something that naturally occurs in the wild. Like, due to its complexity, you assume that something, someone had to make it. And his argument was that, like, due to the complexity of a human being, you assume that someone had to make it. That, you, that This is not something you just find. It's not naturally occurring. Um, and I always thought that was uh, kind of stupid. I don't know. And, I, and so I kind of imagined, like, a future, like, uh, or a world way off into the future, super post-apocalyptic where it's like beyond the point where we've reached sort of a technological uh, singularity point where like technology is kind of combined with organic material. And so it's in the future that like where the civilization as we know it is completely gone and there has been some sort of uh, cataclysm that has killed off like almost everyone and humanity is sort of rebuilding itself, but they've re- re- returned to a sort of tribal state, um, sort of a lot like Horizon Zero Dawn. And they use all of this technology because this technology has survived the cataclysm and has proliferated throughout the world. But they think that it is a part of nature. So, like, hunters in these tribes will go hunting with, like, night vision goggles that are kind of like animal masks that are are things that they have modified. But they also, like, they might just find out in the wild. And because it is uh, a technology mixed with organic material, they, like, assume that it is just something that grows on trees or whatever. And I thought that was a really interesting idea, and kind of challenge like, and I also wanted to challenge that sort of the Descartes uh, idea of the finding the watch in the wild. Take that, Descartes, you dumb bitch! And then Horizon <laughs> did it, and they made it. It's okay. It's a, it's a big deal. I've I've heard nothing. You're literally the most negative person I've ever heard speak about that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I'm the one person who got screwed. And I've I I listened to I listened to a lot of game commentary, like well, a they, lot. Well, all those game comment commenters didn't have their flippant idea stolen. <laughs> Cody's just jealous. So I was tapping into that dimension of that world, and someone else was tapping into my gosh dang mind. Someone else tapped into it at the same time, or maybe even later. They were slurping down my meat blender, blendings. Yeah, got to get your tinfoil hat on a little bit tighter. Cool, Jacob. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, what's your what's your uh, what's your process? What's your what's your ur your urge? Your yeah. Tell us your urges, Jacob. Tell us all about your. I want to hear about your losses. I want to know what really gets you going, Jacob. Get into the nitty gritty. Oh my! (laughs) So a a lot of my stuff, I I guess that I I come to an idea that just sounds kind of neat. Like uh, I come across some article that has a a a new piece of technology or a new uh, uh, psychological like advancement that we found or something like that, and I just kind of think, okay, what if not just this tiny little niche or like future uh, us life occurs. What would happen if this was mainstream? What would happen if this is 
all that we know. So like the the uh, vest technology that they're making for uh, folks who have uh, visual impairments to be able to kind of see things. They're also extrapolating that out to tell the weather, tell, um, you know, uh, stock markets and shit like that. Priority number one, got to get stock markets. Stock markets <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, it develops new senses. So kind of thinking towards the future. My, my stock sense is tingling. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> this is my stock vest. I can feel it in my chest. It's just like you're, you're having coffee and your fucking like left pec starts vibrating. And you're like, oh shit, I need to sell some coffee beans. <laughs> oh, the, NASDAQ is, the NASDAQ is falling. <laughs> But, oh my balls! But like, what what would that world then look like? What what is normal life for the people who have access to that? And and I, it kind of starts off as what's this fantastic thing? What happens to the normal people who have that? And then what happens to the person who is really adept at whatever else uh, develops because of this? That's that's kind of how my trajectory goes a little bit. Yeah. So how do you how do you choose though like what I mean because it sounds like you play with do, do you do this often where you play with new technologies and stuff like that how do you choose um I, it just is what is personally interesting to me like I'm a social worker so anything that has to do with you know uh, stock uh, equity and um, you know uh, helping folks who have you know disabilities or anything like that like things that that kind of uh, sparked my interest in that way and then i'm also big into uh well i mean with the equity thing like having everyone have access to the internet any technology that makes that more readily accessible um you know anything that makes uh technology cheaper and easier to use so that you know when we're grandparents we can actually use the the whatever you know wrist smartphone bullshit that they're going to come up with you know, we'll uh, be telling our kids about the days when the internet balloons weren't in the sky. When when people will say, who is Beyonce, and we can't actually slap them, or else our wrists will snap in half. Like, that would still be worth it. I would. That, that's still worth a slap, though. The days when your nose didn't bleed when the stock market was plummeting. I <laughs> know! <laughs> that's pretty interesting. I don't know if you've read the the story. There's a two, two books called uh, Damon and Freedom. I can't remember who wrote them right now. Uh, but it was a pretty interesting sort of uh, take on like um, technology and wrapping sort of game culture and technology into this sort of like civilization ending virus that um, a game creator had created. He essentially gamified existence. He destroyed everything because um, <laughs> he had his fingers in like basically in the internet from like the, the root up mm. and just destroyed it all and uploaded his personality as an AI and then gamified civilization essentially. Um, but it was, it was pretty interesting because yeah, that there was fascinating. It was, it was really cool. I think you would get a kick out of it, but it just reminded me of this um, sort of uh, sort of climactic scene where somebody had gone off the rails and everybody, you could upvote and downvote people as, as people essentially. Oh, oh shit. shit. Uh-huh. And oh, it, it came to the point where everybody gave this sort of finger of shame in their sort of like UI augmented reality. Um, and everybody's standing around pointing at this guy and he got enough downvotes that like the robots were unlocked to unleash vengeance upon him. Um, it was it was pretty interesting. Like it was, it was the Reddit bots. Yeah, the Reddit bot, the moderators <laughs> finally showed up. Uh, but yeah, it was wow. pretty cool. 
Um, well, there's your meaning right there. Points. Points. <laughs> Up points, finger points, down points. Yep. We just all like, we just have to f- figure out a system for how do we determine the point, the number of points we have in life. And there we go. And then we can determine our meaning. Two. Yeah, we just need to pay attention to Black Mirror more often and just either do what they say that we need to do or try to go away from whatever they say to do. So you're saying pig sex? (laughs) It sounds like you're saying pig sex. I haven't seen a lot of Black Mirror, but I've seen enough to know that you're saying pig sex. Yep. Yep. There's definitely going to be some some pig fucking involved. England is a weird place. (laughs) That's the strangest documentary I've ever seen. I've been listening to uh, a bit of Joseph Campbell lately, um, nice. and, and he is yeah he's a he, he he's a, spent basically his entire life researching world mythology. And yeah, for some reason, I thought he was dead. He is dead as shit. <laughs> but oh okay, uh, well, I thought right. <laughs> but I've got the I've got his power of of myth uh, six disc collection that actually is one of the better gifts that was ever given to me. Um, I think I got it when I was like eighteen years old. And every couple of years, I like to bust it out and listen to it because there's just so much there to kind of unpack. And, and he's he's you know he spent his entire life listening to stories and researching stories and finding the the common ground that unites all of these persistent mythologies, all the stories that have like made it through cataclysms and and through oh, thousands. So he, of he's years. the one who's been ruining stories. If he has, he's he's done. He's done doing it. So. You gotta have a lot of backtracking to figure that out. Gotta find a way to resurrect him so we can kill him again. <laughs> but he's cataloged all these stories, and like it, uh, listening to it, it's 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 been kind of interesting because um, I mean, ultimately, what world building is it's it's a you're creating a venue for an interesting story, um, and the stories aren't interesting until you have the characters, and that's always what makes these stories. It's about the characters that populate them. What are the sort of characters that? that you guys find the most interesting. And I'm talking on a, on a purely archetypal sort of a, a standpoint. What are the types of characters that that you find yourself most drawn to or that you find yourself putting into stories more 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 often than not? Uh, well, I, you know, a lot of people really enjoy characters who they can kind of see themselves in. Mm-hmm. So I really like, you know, people like Batman and Superman. You know, people <laughs> are just really handsome and successful and powerful. <laughs> Have lots of money and energy. I found those very compelling. Yeah, I hear that they have a lot of sexual dysfunction though, too. So that's oh uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> it's pretty. Well, obvious. they can't all be one hundred percent accurate, can they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, like I actually am really drawn to characters who do share similar philosophies to me. Like the, uh, I say, Batman as a joke, but it, it actually uh, is kind of a serious character that I really enjoy and admire. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because of his motivation and his desire to just become like the best dang version of Bruce Wayne, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you think of all the other possibilities for Bruce, Bruce Wayne, and DC has explored some of those with their flipping multiverse. <laughs> there, there could be some lame bitch-ass Bruce Waynes out there, you know? And the the fact that he strives to be the best version of himself just in every possible way, like intelligence and f- physically speaking, and his mental state and everything like that, that really speaks to me because that, that's kind of like a philosophy I have for myself in life. So, uh, so like Gatsby is a similar character who um, has those traits and like the Count of Monte Cristo. And so, I mean, it's less their interactions and their personality, but it's more what drives them, I guess, mm-hmm. which a lot of what drives a lot of those characters is like death and tragic events and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Which uh, That's storytelling. 
Yeah. Well, what about you, Stephen? I'd say one of the characters I think I've I've felt the closest bond to that that exists in uh, a large scale uh, knowledge base would actually be Bran uh, from A Song of Ice and Fire. And a lot of the people, a lot of people who write, read the books and watch the show, um, kind of hate him because essentially once he gets crippled, he's just complaining about how he's crippled all the time. Mm-hmm. But like, as uh, someone who was diagnosed with a disease that has shaped my entire life and has made me like take previous goals that were very important to me and set them aside, I totally understand and sympathize with this like having a life event that completely changes and shapes your life and it really dragging you down for a long time. And the way that um, his character continues to be, he, he's, he continues to kind of have the same kindness that he starts with, but he does, you know, he does roll over the, the same, the same issues again and again. And it never, he never fully gets out of it, even though he's at the end of the, you know, series, as far as we are, is developing incredible magical powers and is experiencing things that no one else will ever experience he still comes back to this thing that has has you know shaped and impacted his life, and I feel like it's one of those those you know really creating a real character to me um, is that he doesn't just get over it. He doesn't just you know two chapters later he's like oh I'm a cripple now and that's okay and he never talks about it again. It continues to be an aspect of of everyday struggle for him, and that's sure. that's one of those things that. Um, you know, you, you main that I feel like is very important to characters is that when they go through some sort of struggle, it continues to affect them. It isn't something that they just walk past and, you know, maybe they, they change real quick. It, it, a lot of times, um, it, it, it goes a lot deeper than that. And when you encounter something tragic that it will affect you for the rest of your life. Um, and, and so I, I feel like that's kind of one of those, those characterizations that maybe sometimes gets missed is is how much uh, these these tragedies that we seem see in shows like Left and Right will really genuinely affect these people. That that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought about it like that. Um, Thank I you. I uh... still agree that his chapters are boring as sin, though. <laughs> oh, I fucking I fucking love his chapters. Ex- like <laughs> he took so long <laughs> to get past the wall. He had like three chapters past the wall. Yeah, those are three long chapters, my dude. They're all very. The last chapter, his last chapter is the best chapter in the entire series, in my opinion. It's it's really incredible. Well, shit. Now I'm gonna have to reread that series like a fourth time. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for opening up about your sexual addiction, Stephen. I know that too. I, I really like to take over people's minds and. Uh, <laughs> This has seriously shaped my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jacob, what about you? Your thoughts? So, um, I mean, if we're going just like base archetype uh, things that that really appeal, um, I've always been kind of drawn to the mentor character in a lot of of, uh, uh, stories and stuff. Like the the Obi-Wan character, the Gandalf character. The Master Roshi. Um, yeah. Like, uh, Did the, you say the Master what? Master Roshi. Roshi. Oh, Roshi. From Dragon Ball Z. Oh, uh, I, I, I thought that you were just fucking up saying uh, Master Splinter's actual master. I was like, well, I thought you were fucking up saying Masturbator of some kind. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, just something about having, you know, because uh, if you have the mentor, then automatically you have to have, you know, whatever character is in charge or is, is the protagonist or whatever. And protagonists always kind of bore me. Like, they're always supposed to be that every man, every person or whatever, like blank slate that you that the reader can put themselves into but the mentor character always is the one with the hidden knowledge with the 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 uh motivation to get this person up and get them moving and just do you feel like you can relate to this character is that one of the reasons why you like it? i think that i can aspire uh, aspire to relate to this person but uh mm-hmm. this characterization but um uh regardless of how many gray hairs i have i wouldn't say that i'm a mentor <laughs> of anyone um but no i mean it's you can be, you can be my mentor oh well, well <laughs> in that case you're the boring uh protagonist <laughs> every man i'm a clean slate <laughs> we all we all knew that hop on in me <laughs> But no, I just, I like it because because the the mentor is the one who introduces the unknown, who introduces the fantasy, the magic, the 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 other into the story, and that's the most interesting part to the story is that other is that mysticism, and mm-hmm. and they're the ones who kind of open up the door. One of my favorite favorite um, master you know master of hidden knowledge characters is somehow. The, the 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 kung fu master from the movie Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. I have not seen. That. <laughs> I have not if you, seen that. If you haven't seen this, it is maybe one of the best movies ever made. And Are we like best kung fu movies or best actual movies? Uh, actual movies. It Holy is shit! A, and it's a kung fu movie. It's a 1980s black exploitation kung fu movie <laughs> set in <laughs> set in Harlem, featuring Bruce Leroy. Uh, the kung- I have seen that. Yes. Never mind. Okay. I have seen that. And, show- <laughs> and the the antagonist is Shonuff, the the Harlem, uh, the Shogun of Harlem. I was at the gym the other day, mm-hmm. and they were playing the music video for that. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you convinced me to watch that movie once. I never, I honestly never thought I'd watch that movie again. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I've got it on DVD. I watch it at least once a year. Like it's one of my favorite movies, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's. It's yeah, it's it's genuinely I feel one of the better movies ever made because well, it's right it up my kind of lost me a bit when like him and Show Enough <laughs> were kind of shooting like kung fu lightning at each other. Oh god, yeah, uh, they discovered now the glow. I really want to watch this. Oh god, <laughs> sounds fantastic. It sounds it sounds like a very good movie. Jacob, you can come over anytime. We'll watch that shit. Um, any one of you guys, Jeff, Cody, hop on a plane, come back, <laughs> come back over, and watch it. I'll watch it. I'm not sure it's worth a flight. Oh, so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always honestly drawn to the, the, the villain with a cause, I think is one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, one of my very, very favorite, uh, Leto the second from the Dune series, I think is, is probably one of my more, one of the more enjoyable characters that I read because he is the villain with, a, with a purpose. Um, and he, he's essentially set himself and, and made a, made a, horrific sacrifice um, to extend his life for generations upon generations of, of humankind to persecute humankind for a very specific reason, which is to ingrain in humankind that there shall be no more tyrants. Um, 
and he's he's sort of the ultimate tyrant. He's the tyrant to end all tyrants, and he mm-hmm. does it on purpose, um, and he knows it. And I think that's a really interesting character, where that's not really that's not really explored a lot. Where the the hero has has a very specific call to action, and he's he's made to do what he's he you know what has to be done for the good of the people, but with the blessings of the people and with the praise of the people. And I think there's a different sort of a hero where they're the, the villain because that what that's what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the Ozymandias character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Doom. From, yeah, the Watchmen-style Ozymandias character. I think villains that don't have a cause is one of the things that makes me the most mad yeah. in a story. And so villains with a cause, I would agree, is like one of the coolest things is a villain who isn't just out to get more powerful and destroy the world because they want to, but they have, maybe they're trying to save the world and the, this is the way they're doing it, or, you know, they have some other reason for behaving the way they do. Um, what's, is, what's Shonuf's cause? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the, he's, Kung Fu he, Mastery. He wants to be the last dragon, and he's convinced of it, on, honestly. And he actually has attained what it takes to be like considered the last dragon except for that final sort of spoiler alert i guess the final step to move beyond the, the last dragon into the new <laughs> realm don't be a womanizer he probably is but no, i'm saying he is a womanizer <laughs> but that's the, that's the final step that i think that as the as that separated him from the heroes that he had attained the the physical mastery of the of the art um he had attained his physical perfection but he had stagnated, and the the lesson was that like you come full circle, you attain mastery, and then you enter into a new realm of discovery where you are again an apprentice. Like you've gone back your role as a, as a learner, and that cycle continues again. It's the oh. the cycle of, of 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 novice to adept to master, and then so it's kind of like breaking the philosopher's through. stone in Harry Potter, um, where you can only get it. If you don't want it, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, sure. It, that Barry Gordy's last sorcerer stone. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like that's that's I don't know. Like, there's a huge amount of wisdom there that you will never convince me wasn't purposefully put into that movie. Yeah, J.K. Rowling ripped off the last dragon. That's constantly like with, yeah, with yeah. jive talk Very and all clear. the. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad. It was cringy, honestly, cringy. It's like pace for pace. <laughs> uh, so let's build a world. Let's build a yeah. world. Let's do that. Is it time? It's finally time. It's world building time. It is world time. building time. Why don't we just throw all of them into the mix? Because there's really only one, two, three, four. Yep, there's only four of them. So let's get let's get them all in here. Yeah. Well, this one's a stinker. Um, a little bit. A world. One's a stinker. A world where okay, so this one is from user uh, Navislav Jajic. Navislav Jajic. Um, a world where all wars are fought with tubas. Fruit by the foot rolls. Next up okay. is from user Time Relic. Dinosaur wrangling cowboys. Third up is from user mm-hmm. Amateur okay. Physicist. Okay. A world that involves tornado mud wrestling. Ooh. And last on the Ooh. list, <laughs> that's my fetish. Is Creative Theano Hazard. Wait, Creative Theano Hazard. A world with Power Rangers and magical girls, and they have to fight over a magical crystal to transform. 
I'll give you some details later if you have spare time. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> have any spare time to contact you about that. That's not the way we do it. And that's my new fetish. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, let's scrap that last one. We don't need a world with Power Rangers and Magical Girls because that's just going to turn into Power Rangers and Sailor Moon. Yeah, Powerpuff Girls. Power Rangers already exist. Well, why can't the Magical Girls be Power Rangers? Exactly. I thought it was just like Power Rangers and Power Rangers at that point. Yeah, that's true. Let's scrap it. It's redundant. Move on. Redundant. All right, so a world where all wars are fought with tubas and fruit-by-the-foot rolls, dinosaur wrangling cowboys, and a world that involves tornado mud wrestling. All right. Oh, boy. The first thing that I want to hop onto here is how has a world been created where tubas and fruit-by-the-foot rolls are the preferred weaponry? Of warfare. We're going to have to use the full force of our imagination for this one. <laughs> it's true. This, is the, yeah, this, is, this one's really going to uh, suck the tank dry here, I think. Well, if we're... Unlike, uh, not unlike a tuba sucking a fruit by the foot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the hardest way to eat a fruit by the foot, by the way. Could you argue that maybe the weapon of choice in these wars is a tuba? Maybe it's like a sound-based thing. Maybe mm. that's the most abhorrent sound. How, and the only way to, like, the best, most effective way that they've discovered in this world to stop the tubas from producing the sound is, like, mashed up fruit by the foot <laughs> down the tuba hole. So you gotta, you gotta shoot the fruit by the foot into the tuba holes. Okay, so is, is fruit by the foot in this world the branded fruit by the foot, like the actual fruit by the foot that exists in oh. this world? Or, or is, is it, it just, like, strings it, of fruit? Yeah, is it like a, a tuba could paste? be, like, an acronym for, like, uh, tarantula... Uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. know. Ultra I think, I think we, we should probably basic. just assume that it's that it's the fruit snack. It's the delicious like the, the actual fruit. literal fruit snack. Okay, mm-hmm. what we got? So we have cowboys riding dinosaurs, but they're the Wrangling cowboys. So they have a lasso, probably that lasso. It's not. It's not a stretch to believe that in this world where fruit by the foot is used as weaponry, that these cowboys are the last one. Exactly, uh, tuba players. I mean, it is. It's weaponized fruit by the foot. It's, it goes within uh, reason that it would be able to catch a dinosaur. Yeah, fruit by the meter is probably what this is. Fruit by the foot is basically just really shitty fruit leather. So mm-hmm. a leather lasso made out of fruit completely makes sense to me. What if some sort of a fruit went like underwent some sort of a uh, evolutionary transition, Ooh. like and it became horribly toxic and that wasn't discovered until it was already like well into the production of fruit by the <laughs> until they had already created your child's favorite <laughs> lunchtime snack uh so they have just all these rolls of poisonous yeah so they they, they pulled the recall fruit. and the army bought them all up okay so not only are they horrifically poisonous but they rot really quickly and they produce these horrific spores Everything broke down because it was like apples, right? Like apples went bad like this. So like billions of people <laughs> like died from eating apples. So the only people that are left over are like gross, nasty, like uh, basement dwellers that don't eat fruit except by fruit. Gross, nasty so, cowboys. Gross, nasty basement dwelling cowboys. So apples went through like a, like a cataclysmic evolutionary step. So if you could take these fruit by the foot rolls and not contaminate yourself and line the inside of a tuba with them. Maybe it's like a vibration that yeah. activates. Yeah, them. low frequency vibrations like cause yeah. them to like rattle apart and turn into like like set the spores loose. So playing certain notes might like produce a different effect. Oh, the player awesome. is is killed in this situation though. Just just for the record. No, you, well these you the players have... are babies who are, are raised uh, to develop a tolerance. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, we have our spore people. Or maybe <laughs> yeah, big. They don't have noses. They. Uh, 
they breathe through their feet. Uh-huh. Or they're uh-huh. so well insulated that they're immune to the vibrations. Yeah, they don't feel anything. They don't have ears, they don't have noses. They do have lips, because obviously. Yeah, because for smooching. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta bend for tubing. Mm-hmm. Well, they do have dinosaurs now. Are there, like, is there any way to, like, because dinosaurs have much greater lung capacity than humans do. Oh my god, so the dinosaurs are immune to it, and they're the ones who play the tuba. Do oh, dinosaurs have lips? We, we've already discussed lizard <laughs> lips. I don't know if dinosaurs, I don't know, I mean, lizards have lips, but I don't know if they can purse them. You know, I don't know if a, a lizard can form the right seal to play well, a tuba. You, you could probably modify a tuba to have they a got, dinosaur play it. They got big, wide lips, kind of like a dog. Have you ever? Could, do you think a dog? Do you think a dog could play a trumpet? <laughs> Hold on, if if the tuba is your primary form of artillery in the world, like the military definitely has the money to fund a, a way to make sure make it where dinosaurs can play it. Well, all you have yeah, to do is just. Cut somebody's butt off and graft their butt cheeks to the dinosaur's <laughs> face. Yeah, why did I? Why, that's all you got to do. That's dinosaur-sized <laughs> lips, essentially. They're sitting in their war room trying to decide how they're going to make this work, and Ryan's there. He's like, "What? What? You fucking idiots! Just, just cut, cut off someone's, off someone's butt. butt cheeks. Just get a just get a fresh butt over there. Just get a real real sweaty hiney." Well, uh, I'm I'm trying to think like if if we go back to the um, fruit by the foot as as lassos then it would make sense that, like, they could just use herds of dinosaurs as their shock troopers. The trumpets are, are stampeding them into each other, oh, and they're okay. lassoing them with the, with the fruit by the foots to, like, ride them into battle. Oh, so you could say that they actually <laughs> don't use the tuba as a weapon, but as a control mechanism for the okay. dinosaurs. Okay, yeah. Wars are fought with the tubas, not by the tubas. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, you you use the tuba. You, you use to control the, the dinosaurs. Yeah. Not, yeah. The dinosaurs are. Not everyone yeah. can just pick up a tuba and play it, and a T Rex runs after you know a, a ship or something. You know, you you have to really nail Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> the tuba solo from Stairway to Heaven, <laughs> as we all remember. What What is the world's most famous tuba solo? <laughs> This is like a John Philippe Sousa or something like that. It was either that or the failure noise. Okay, so if there are dinosaur wrangling cowboys that are using tubas to sort of like prompt the dinosaurs into a frenzy, maybe the fruit by the foot rolls are simply just like the carrot that they dangle in front of the dinosaur. Ooh, the lures, yeah. And we don't know a lot about dinosaurs, like their, you know, their physiology and what what their diet was like it could be that it was entirely like they created by the somehow by mashing up fruit with their big dinosaur feet mm-hmm. uh, some sort of form of fruit by the foot fruit leather and you just lay that on the back of an ankylosaurus's shell until it dries <laughs> it's out it's like it's like catnip for dinosaurs well and Dino if we're wrangling dinosaurs then we're domesticating them in some way so we... what was the third thing in this world building tornado mud wrestling Oh, the mud wrestling. Oh my god, Jesus. that's the best. How the hell are you going to fit this in? So, <laughs> yeah. the the winds generated from the tubas has caused just catastrophic uh, effects They've on summoned the summoned a tornado. And Wait, does this have to be a part of the, their war, their battle? This could just be like a pastime. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's been a leisure activity spot or enough tubas being played that tornadoes are just a regular occurrence. Mm. And they just make that <laughs> really good mud. Gale force tuba winds. Yeah, they, the tuba players have to have something to do in the off season. You know, when it's too cold for war. Yeah, when you get a whole battalion of tuba players together, they probably could produce a tornado. Yeah, yeah. yeah these 
when that tuba El Nino rolls in, it's time to get your mud get your mud on. It's probably the world's number one pastime at that point. I mean, who what would what would possibly in your entire imagination be more entertaining than tornado mud wrestling? Are the tornadoes wrestling or is it people meant I think the, tor- the tornado the as I I believe the tornado. You got to have two tornadoes on one end of the ring <laughs> each. Oh my god, it's Beyblades. Fucking mud. <laughs> Mud and back. they get on top of each giant other. Giant elemental Beyblades. Oh man, tornado mud wrestling. I just want to see one tornado pin another tornado. I, well, hey, well, what if the the tubas are useful for that? Because like at the beginning of any WWF wrestling match, you got to talk total smack. So the torna- the tubas help the tornadoes articulate their uh, smack talking. Oh, so you like get the tornadoes going and then you toss a tuba into the mix. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you, notes come out. You strap a you strap a butt to the tuba. <laughs> 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 and you let the tornado just like wail. Just go Is to, that, just, go is to that just two butts strapped together now? Like, like is is this the the instrument we're inventing here? It's my fantasy, man, dude. The two butts? <laughs> Uh, i'm very happy with that (laughs) i do like the idea of this being just leisure activity no i i think it's like a a sporting event you know it's their primary entertainment well do you think like a a dinosaur like like the dinosaurs could survive like a tornado so like anytime there's a tornado like you whip up your dinosaurs into a frenzy and then like have them go like fight each other yeah, I did the like tornado. the idea of like the dinosaurs wrestling mm. in the tornado, the mud tornado. I like that idea, or or hot chicks, whatever. <laughs> well, and and you know that might be the nature of war now. It's just decided by whoever's dinosaur wins the uh, the tornado. tornado mud wrestling. Yeah. So it's so it's not just Beyblades; it's Pokemon Beyblades. Yeah. <laughs> Pokemon, where you try to catch the best dinosaur Pokemon, and you you make it battle in a, a giant Beyblade. A giant tuba. Basically. And he throws as many tubas in there as possible to try and knock out the other tor- other dinosaur before. You know what? We were discussing the, the the theme of this episode was meaning, and I think that this one is just oozing with meaning. There's a lot of it's, like it's disgusting and oh, stripping yeah. with it. There's like a lot of Jungian sort of stuff to delve into here. What is the? There's dinosaur? a rich mythology. Any one of these characters will affect many of our uh, listeners. I feel like mm-hmm. the dinosaurs will really have a good impact with the younglings. Yeah, they represent the the struggle with your inner demon, your inner monster. Do we maybe want to develop a character who lives in this uh, in this environment and kind of figure out what what they would actually do and how they would interact with the world? Well, it would have to be a dinosaur wrangling cowboy then. A pro wrestling, a pro mud wrestling dinosaur wrangling cowboy. Yeah. Um, what's his cowboy Who's name? Who's a war veteran? I think I think a sibling might be the pro wrestler. Um, and the the cowboy always wanted to be, you know, a pro wrestler, but just wasn't as good as as like Janine. Janine. Wait, a pro wrestler or a pro mud wrestler? A pro mud like wrestler. There's right. only pro mud wrestling. Pro. There's a distinction. Like Dwayne the Rock Johnson was a pro wrestler. I'm not <laughs> sure how well he would fare in a mud wrestle though. Probably pretty good. I don't know. I feel like his bulk would get in the way. Like if he's all greased up, all mudded up, he'd be even better. <laughs> yeah. He's got too many crevices to grab that's, latch onto. It's his natural state. He's greased up. You gotta get a nice he's, soft yeah, slippery boy. He emits a grease. He's got a constant layer. Well, so what's what's life like on the range for a dinosaur wrangling cowboy that just wants to be oh, a, a mud wrestler? Can you imagine how much dinosaur poop is messed up into like a mud wrestling rink with dinosaurs? 
Yeah, but oh, it's geez. really good for your skin. You and the butts, my dude. It's really good for <laughs> the butts and the poop. Just saying, it's just, it's, You're just I'm, fascinated. I'm dealing with the harsh reality. Episode number four, theme of the episode. No, these are these are these are real things that need to be broken down. Yeah. You know, this is what makes the it, it a plausible sort of a world. So is this a world where like dinosaurs are like are still around from when they were like similar to our world where there were dinosaurs but they're still around, or did some sort of did some scientist cook up a new dinosaur formula? With like amphibian DNA or something like that. Mm. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. This is the future where we're we've just like we're like, well, we've made our bed, our Jurassic Park bed. Let's mm-hmm. let's get in it. Let's embrace it. I feel like this is a catastrophic world. Um, like you've got tornadoes often enough that you can like coordinate a mud wrestling event around them. And the most popular music is tuba. And control them with tubas. They're man-made tornadoes. You know, they're artificial. Then you gotta have. I didn't specify even a size. But even even if they're man made, I mean they're frequent. If if mankind can just like make a, a tornado for its own sporting events, then they could probably figure out how to like drum up a dinosaur or two out of like. And maybe use a better weapon than a tuba. Maybe that's just the most entertaining thing that's been like come across so far. It's like yeah. Oh, so when they do war, it's just for pure entertainment purposes. Well, I don't know. Like you've got tornado mode wrestling. It's like what? Where do you go from there? Maybe they actually have world peace. They just drum up a good war every now and then just for the fun of it. They have a war periodically just to entertain the folks of this world. And they like have a giant wheel that they spin to determine the type of war that they'll have. And it lands on like tuba and fruit by the foot. Fruit by the foot. And it's like, go at it. (laughs) War has been abolished. Um, Like it's just not necessary. But like there's still a huge population that is like completely disenfranchised. Um, like inner city style, just like gentrified, but there's still access to like tons of information and like libraries where you can 3D print stuff. So like the gang members go down to like the libraries and just 3D print dinosaurs. As they do. (laughs) (laughs) As we all, as we all know. But they blew, they blew their budget. Like they blew their matter compiling budget on dinosaurs. So all they had left over in their budget was like tubas and fruit by the foot. Like, the fruit-by-the-foot rations was, like, all they had left over. And, like, one guy one guy was able to, like, oh, I've got some copper, I guess, like, in my in my stash of, of... What's the treasure of this gang doing? Running out of running out of their gang budget, spending it all on dinosaurs. He probably blew it up. Yeah. He probably actually blew it all on, like, sex robots or something. Sex in dinosaurs. This, yeah, I guess in this future sex, there would have to be sex robots. Sex dinosaurs. Yeah. With tubas for, you know, their, you know, what parts. Tyrannosaurus <laughs> sex bots. So who are these butts coming from? Because butts have been, played a pretty big role in this. Yeah, uh, we got a we got a real shortage in the butt economy. We got to yeah. fix this. Where are they getting these butts? Fall, fallen gang members. Well, we know that three D printers exist. So <laughs> gang members. Once the gang who wars are trying to settle their debt, <laughs> gang members who are trying to settle their debt. <laughs> Once the gang wars have like broken out, there's like the 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 streets just lined with butts, just dismembered butts. <laughs> Because the, di- the dinosaurs, dinosaurs go for don't it. eat butts because they're very clean animals. Everything oh, except the butt. They eat everything. <laughs> they started the, the, they started the head. They worked their way down. They get to the butt. And they're like, Not oh, that. I'm no. going past. Let's go. Let's go for the legs. Let's skip it. And in the city, the city of wherever this was, is like, what are we going to do with all these dang butts? <laughs> I have a plan. I've got an idea, Mayor. And tubas. I have something I've been working on in my free time. <laughs> 
I think this is it. No, I think we've we've landed on a pretty good world. I'd 100 percent buy this. It's a world. It's a world made of butts, dinosaurs, and uh, tornado mud wrestling. Oh, it's it's Stephen. Goddamn it! It's so much more than that. <laughs> it's the culmination of all of our unconscious hopes and dreams. It is a culmination of my hopes and dreams. I feel like we just had a group. I we just had a group channeling experience here. We all have new fetishes now. This is a world in an alternate dimension, and we were we are all tapped into it right now, and it feels we're good. we are we are changed men. Our butts are directly. Uh, linked to I'm this gonna world. care a lot more about my butt from now on. <laughs> I'm gonna take yeah. special care of it. I I feel that like, a, with us like finding these worlds <laughs> and navigating to them and channeling them, we preclude our reality from ever sort of collapsing <laughs> into that. Into, into the one that we've described oh. we've we've so our butts are safe yeah, for now we've been there we've exhausted those possibilities we've cut off the butt those potentialities <laughs> that we cut the butt off at the source so that we cannot <laughs> so on the day that these cowboy di- these cowboy wrang- <laughs> dinosaur wrangling cowboys <laughs> on the day that they come to our planet trying to take it over we'll say like you can't do it guys we already we already did it <laughs> that's been done we already, we already thought of that we've one. Just col- we've collapsed those potentialities. Those are no longer in our in our. Future. We decided we wanted to keep well, our. Good. Butts. I feel like I'm, I feel a lot safer now. Good. Like I've been losing a lot of sleep over this. Just imagining this idea. This is no kind more. of a public service that we're providing to the universe right now. No, this is a private uh, service that requires money. <laughs> Damn, Cody. We, we, we will, like now that we've discovered the value of our service, we demand payment. That's not bad. We should talk to the president. Be like. You know, hey, could be a world where the Russians have have distended butt monsters that come after us on dinosaurs. You know, with any other president, I'm not sure we can we can pull it off, but I think we have <laughs> a, a real chance here. I would be surprised if this we were time. the first people to say those words to him. <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right. Well, that's it. That um, world goes in the bin too. That's one more dead yeah, world. There you go. Ball it up and toss it away. Ball it up and throw it away. Get rid of it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to uh, Disposable Worlds, the podcast where we do this. And if you're looking for podcasts where we do other things, you can find us at radbotproductions.com. If you're interested in following Disposable Worlds, seeing when new episodes are released, or submitting your own world ideas for us to build, or if you have any questions that you'd like us to address on the show, um, you can do so either uh, by following us on Facebook or Twitter, or our uh, Disposable Worlds subreddit. Yeah, we're, we're all over the place. We're pretty official. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can think of any other ways to contact us, you know, by all means, feel free to be creative. Um, just don't track us down or anything. And I would like to give a big thanks to everyone who submitted uh, world ideas for the past couple episodes. And I would especially like to thank the band Belafonte for letting us use their song Bastion for our theme song. Thank you so much. That song is super kick-ass and it definitely helps to set the tone for the show. All right. um, Catch you guys. Catch you next time.